Welcome to our first year, Tavshinai in Dalid. Teishnas overdue. All the blessings are overdue. It's time for them to all come into fruition. First year of the year, since last uh, Wednesday was Rosh Hashanah, and we're going to end up with all these year in this year. <coughs> the holiday year of Ma'olim and Yom Tevim, which runs us into a problem. Although, anybody would like to join us in the sukkah? More than happy to keep a Wednesday night cheer going. Obviously, no recording of that, unless it's going to be a, uh, you know. Um, this Shabbos Yom Kippur. So although we've been learning Chitas and Zeis HaBracha, but it's actual Shabbos is Yom Kippur. And yes, for those who have a question or a doubt, we fast on Yom Kippur on Shabbos. We hope to be able to go over the customs, kaparis, etc., So for those in Scranton, Pennsylvania, listening to this year, they're not worried about what they're going to do, where they're going to get chicken from. <laughs> Unlike Atlanta, Georgia. Mongo, Mongo. Uh, or Brooklyn, New York. Or Brooklyn, New York at the moment, correct. Because <laughs> there are no chickens running around the streets of Crown Heights yet. Or today. <laughs> there is. There's um, I'm recording here, if you don't mind. Today, Zion Tishrei, <coughs> subsequently yesterday being Vav Tishrei. I lost the mitzvah this week. And uh, there's no solution. <coughs> there's no solution to getting it back. I was in Switzerland for a few days. Went for an upshare Monday evening. But since I arrived there on Monday afternoon, I missed the kriya satera for Monday. So besides, I didn't hear the kriya. I also did not bench gaimel. Since I arrived back today, so we had some tomorrow bench gaimel, but I can only run bench gaimel for tomorrow for. The return flight. So for my out, <coughs> my outbound, I've lost the opportunity. In the various shilas that the Rabbanim get, someone wrote that the Erov got such a shila. Fellow asked him, said, I leave every day late to work. So I have to do about 100 miles an hour to get to work on time. 
as I drive like that every day, obviously I'm endangering my life. So Goimel is in order. So should I bench Goimel on every Monday and Thursday? Okay, I just wait for Shabbos and bench for the whole week. So the rabbi answered him, I'm not clear about the Goimel, but I just hope you're teaching your sons Kaddish. <coughs> you're going 100 miles an hour to work every day. Vav Tishrei, the yard site of Rebbe Tzinchana, the Rebbe's mother, two tidbit stories in relation to the up to the <coughs> the yard site. I got to get a cough button on this recording machine because it's going to be terrible today. Um, also, Baruch Hashem, my grandson, who's up and I went for yesterday, two days ago, was birthday. His birthday was also Vav Tishrei. That's why it was made Monday night, late at night in Switzerland. Rabbi Hirschel Chitrig Alva Shalom told his story. Thank you for the Mazel Tov from Scranton. Um, told a story. He used to go visit the Rebbe in the Rebbe Khan. He used to live here in Crown Heights. Rebbe Khan, just to give you a trivial example of the Rebbe and what kind of woman she was, when her husband was exiled, for the terrible sin of helping Jews and for doing things of Judaism in Russia they came one night and they finally arrested him and they took him to an undisclosed place nobody knew where he was for 8 months again, that kind of thing. didn't either And she did many inquiries until she found out where he actually was. It wasn't local. She secured passage to go there where, she, where her husband was. In a labor camp. Thank you. And she stood by the, her husband's side. Ablevik, the his father, wrote a Pirish on the Zaya. He wrote an explanation on Zohar. He would write it in the, in the margins of his Zayar. On the sides and the bottom, he would write his notes. Where did he get ink? It was Zahana used to make ink for him. She used to go out, she used to collect certain herbs. And she used to make the ink for him. So that he'd be able to write. 
So Rabbi Hersha Chitrik said that when the Rebetzin already moved here, because the Rebetzin, the Rebbe, unfortunately, the Rebetzin and his wife, Rabbi Levik and his wife were not merited to be by the Rebbe's wedding. When they, after Rabbi Levik was nifted in the Stalak in Almata, wasn't Mamish in Almata where he died, that's where they ultimately buried him. She came, she, they moved, they got her passage to Poland, they snuck her out of Russia, and they brought her to America, to the Rebbe. She lived here on the corner of President and Kingston. In 1414 or 1418. From when the Rebbeson arrived here, there was not a day that the Rebbe did not go visit his mother. Sometimes even go shopping for her. When the Rebbe's brother, Rabbi Salai died, during the Shiva, the Rebbe went every day to his mother and would change his jacket so that his mother would not see. He would not wear the torn garment, whichever one it was. But Herschel Hitrig was asked by the and I was asked by the Rebbe per se, but since he knew the Rebbe's father, family, parents from Kiev, from uh, Ukraine, so he used to, he was asked to go visit, or he was invited to come visit. And he would go up occasionally to visit the Rebbe, and he would sit for an hour, two hours. She spoke a beautiful, eloquent Russian. And she liked to practice her Russian with him. And they would sit and discuss, talk. They would chat, chit-chat. A visitor. Mm-hmm. And Herschel came to the Rebetzin's house. He knocked on the door. And the Rebbe opened the door. <coughs> the Rebbe opened the door, so he wouldn't go inside. The Rebbe has a visitor, he doesn't need, she doesn't need another one. Sometimes, though, the Rebbe was just getting ready to leave. And Herschel said, he noticed... The Rebbe had a very interesting custom when he used to leave. He used to straighten out all the chairs in the dining room by the table. He used to walk over to a picture on the wall and straighten it. And he used to make the certain things that Rebbe did every time the Rebbe left the house. This is how he acted. And Herschel noticed that the Rebbe was doing something here on purpose. One day, the rabbits noticed how Herschel noticed the Rebbe's actions. So she said to Herschel Chitrik, I see you notice how my son has his exit. <coughs> All the nuances that he does when he exits the house. 
since my son was by mitzvah, I have never seen his back. I've never seen the back of his shoulder, she said. In other words, when the Rebbe walked away from his mother, he never turned around to walk away. He always backed away from his mother, like you back away from an Kaidish. Unlike today's children, that not only storm away from their mother, they slam the door while they're at it. Mm. Or worse. Um... That was one story that the Rebbe, Rebbe had for his mother. How the Rebbe never turned his back. He always backed away from his mother. Rabbi Yosef Weinberg tells that in the 60s In the 60s, Rabbi Yosef started um, Tanya on the air. He used to give a Tanya share on the radio. And the Rebetzin was a very big fan of his share. The Rebetzin would always see to listen to his share. Interesting to note, <coughs> the Rebetzin once commented on his shir when he was visiting her that to give a lesson in Tanya, some people embellish the lesson but don't know what they're talking about, and some people know what they're talking about but don't know how to give it over. Whereas in his case, she says, she was very, she very much enjoyed and saw how he really knew what he was saying. On Vav Tishrei, when the Rebetzin passed away, during the year, the Rebbe started a new, instituted a new format by Fabrengen, and he would talk a Sicha on Rashi. Many of such sikhs which we repeat during the course of our shiurim. And Rabbi Weinberg asked the Rebbe that he wanted to add another 15 minutes to his radio show. And he would repeat Fabrengens from the Rebbe. That Shabbos there would be a Fabrengen, and a lot of people that didn't make it to Granites or from out of town, whatever, they would know that on Matzah Shabbos, if they didn't know if there was a Fabrengen or not, as soon as Rabbi Weinberg went on the air, you knew if he started talking about his Tanya Shia, 
Or about that day's Fabrengen. If he spoke about the Tanya Shi, he knew there was no Fabrengen. If he spoke about the Fabrengen, that's how we knew that there was a Fabrengen that day. So he told the Rebbe he wants to extend his shear by 15 minutes. However, it was very costly. Airtime cost money. So the Rebbe said he wanted to be partners. He wanted to give part or half or something to that effect. He wanted to give half. And Rebbe Weinberg said in that case he wants to be the other partner and pay for the other half himself. Weinberg elaborates on the whole thing how the Rebetzin the Rebbe wanted to do it in the memory of his mother how the Rebbe never accepted partners in anything the Rebbe gave a whole explanation why he wouldn't accept partners in anything and ultimately the Shia was sponsored half by the Rebbe the Rebbe was asked even the story from the Fidig Rebbe was his father's secretary. When his father, the Fidig Rebbe once sent out telegrams for Yomtev or something, messages. He told his father about the telegrams. His father said, no, who paid for this? And it was discussed and back and forth. And the Rebbe said, no, I have to pay for this. The Rebbe Shab told him that this is my expense. Nobody else should be dealing with it. Kitsa, this went back and forth, and ultimately the Rebbe accepted him as a partner. This is another story of the Rebbe and how the Rebbe used to listen to his show, the radio show on Matzah Shabbos. Also interesting to note, this is the Aseret Simei a time, a week between Rosh Hashanah and Kippur, which we are proud to be Lubavitchers, because we don't say Slichas during the Aseret Simei <laughs> Unlike most, uh, almost any other community, Svaradim start from Rishchidish El, and the whole world says from Rosh Hashanah, from the week before Rosh Hashanah, until Yom Kippur. But it's not many Chabad to say during a Sesimetshuva. We don't say it in the Sesimetshuva. We do add, however, Avinu Malkeinu by Shachas and by Mincha. And of course, the Dabra Shemeli, we also add the supplements. Hamelach HaKadosh, Hamelach HaMishpat, and Zachreinu, Michamecha, Chseiv, and Chseiv HaChayim. However, another Chabad Minig, differing of the world, of the four additions that are added in Chazaz, in Shemeneshei, Zachreinu HaChayim, Michamecha, where everybody in the repetition, the whole world during the repetition, the Chazan stops and everybody says, Zachreinu l'chaim v'michamecha and then uchseiv v'msef v'chaim In Chabad we only, stay, we only say uchseiv and msef v'chaim in the repetition. It's when the Chazan is doing Chazar Sashat the only psukim that, that the, that the Tibur will repeat <coughs> is uchseiv l'chaim tev v'msef v'chaim It's gen- there are those that have a custom to fast during the Sesame Shiva. We spoke about this. And therefore, since they don't have the ten days because they're missing the days of Rosh Hashanah and the Shabbos, they fast before that during the days of Slichas. It's nothing to be mocked about and nothing to be put down. But it's also not something that we recommend 
Don't try don't try this at home. Not today's generation anymore. During the Senate Mechuva, starting of the year, Tashin Memvov, Machni Yisrael, the organization directly under the Rebbe, the Rebbe's tutelage, under David Chase's spearheading, David T. Chase, spearheaded a, an organization called the Machni Yisrael Development Fund. Now this development fund was funded, obviously, by very, very wealthy people. Tavshin Memvov, the Rebbe, opened his door to these people, and the Rebbe offered a special yechidus for the Machni Yisrael Development Fund. And Shluchim would encourage their Gvirim, their rich people, their supporters, to give to the cause and come for this Yechidus. And for the most part, the Shliach would accompany his supporter, just for moral support. And sometimes to translate what the Rebbe said. These people had the merit to be partners in the Rebbe's pulas, in the Rebbe's work. And this happened twice a year, during Tishrei and during and before Pesach. However, no matter how much money you gave, you only got once a year to go in. In the beginning, the Yechidus was upstairs in the Besmedish, small zal. Ultimately, the group grew so large, it had to be downstairs. The day would start lunch, where all these supporters would come together in Olitera ballroom, and they'd be served a proper lunch, and a shliach would speak, a guest shliach would come, Rabbi Krinsky would speak, and Mr. David Chase would speak. After the meeting, they came to 770. It was set up very, very beautifully downstairs <coughs> with a mechitza for the ladies. And the Rebbe would address them in Yiddish. And any posuk, Maimach Hazal, or anything of the Zayar, the Rebbe would quote, the Rebbe would translate it into Yiddish as well. Each person that didn't understand Yiddish well enough had a little transmitter, like a little radio, with an earplug, and there was a translator. Not inside the radio, probably. They probably had a different room. 
I would imagine they sat in a different room and they translated. They look very funny. It's just one of those, you know, you'll get these clips that go around either on on, uh, on WhatsApp or so those who have uh, the Facebooks, whatever it is, of the uh, Israeli GPS. And the uh, fellow is driving and he makes the wrong turn. And you hear the GPS say, recalculating. And recalculates and he starts driving and he makes another mistake, recalculating. And after three or four recalculatings, all of a sudden you see the GPS burst open, and this woman jumps out and hits him on the head with a hammer and says, how many times did I tell you, why don't you listen? Oh, with a map. She hits a map over the head. <coughs> why can't you listen to instructions? Anyway, I told you, I have a friend, I told this a long time ago, I have a friend that when he drives with his GPS, he turns off the sound. He can't have a lady tell him how to drive. So today you can change it though to a man's voice probably also. Um, they have English voices and Australian voices, Ebonese. Anyway, Ebonics. Ebonics, yes, Ebonics. Yo, turn right. Anyway, the Rebbe would speak the Sikha, and then each Gvir, each sponsor, was able to go over to the Rebbe's table with his shliach, and there'd be nobody else around that table, and they can discuss privately anything they wanted to discuss with the Rebbe. And then afterwards, the shluchim themselves would stay inside, they would also get dollars from the Rebbe, and during Tishrei, the Rebbe would give out um, lekach to all the gvirim as well. And this was the custom for the Machni Yisrael Fund, which ultimately was originally opened in Tavshin Gimel by the Friedrich Rebbe. Let us talk a little bit about Yom Kippur. The Holy of Holies. The day every Jew reaches to the highest possible level. To a level where they wear white, so we look like an angel. To a level that at the end of the day we sing Napoleon's March. A march of victory. Because we know that we were victorious in succeeding, in repenting for all that we have done, and we are forgiven for all that has happened. On this day in the time of the temple, the Kohen Gadol <coughs> entered the Holy of Holies. Only on this day did the Kohen Gadol enter the Holy of Holies. Oh, that's a treat. I thought you weren't able to make it today. That's uh? On this day he entered the Holy of Holies, the Kodesh HaKadoshim, and then upon entering the Kodesh HaKadoshim, the Avoida that was done in the Kodesh HaKadoshim, the service, but it was only on this day that the King God was allowed to do this. The King Godel, a man of stature, 
was not allowed to be counted in the Bezdin. <coughs> Which Bezdin? The Bezdin that established if the year should be a leap year or not. Why was he not allowed to? Because he was an Agabidavar. What's an Agabidavar mean? He was impartial. His impartiality was that he would try to make it not a leap year so that Yom Kippur would come out earlier in the summer like we have this year so it shouldn't be too cold because he was running around the whole time going in and out of the mikveh he didn't have that much time to dry himself off so that it shouldn't be too cold He, if he was one of those that determined about the the upcoming year calendar, whether or not it should be a leap year, he would try to do it that it should not be a leap year, and thereby making it more comfortable for himself. So the Kengadl has his hands full. And we read in the Musaf, in the repetition, we read the Seder HaVaida of the Kengadl, the running and the spraying and the blood throwing and etc., etc., etc. The Kayin Gadol enters the Holy of Holies, the Kedish HaKadoshim. Upon entering the Kedish HaKadoshim, he puts down the Kedish and he departs. The Kedish HaKadoshim, the Holy of Holies, set, was separated from the Kedish by the first base of English with a wall, and by the second base of English by two curtains. But the Kain had to enter in such a way that nobody from the Kedish would be able to see into the Kedish Kedoshim. So now he comes out of the Kedish Kedoshim, you would think, now what is he going to pray for? The first thing <coughs> the Kedish should pray for when he comes out of the Kedish Kedoshim. He says a short prayer, and the main gist of the prayer is a request for physical parnasa that the Jewish nation should have parnasa b'harchava should have sustenance in plentitude. The highest, holiest moment. The most spiritual moment of the man's day, of the of the year. And how, what does he get from this? What does he derive from this? Parnosa? That's what we're going to ask for? The explanation is a very simple one, basically. Each and every Jew, even his physical elements, his physical existence needs to be bound with holiness, with spirituality. For example, giving tzedakah or eating something with a bracha. (laughs) 
Whereas all other nations, their Aveda, their, their Parnotza, is involved in how much they work. By a Jew, it's, a, it's depending on how much Torah and Mitzvahs they do. As we see in Bechukai Say Telechu, Ves Mitzvah Say Dishmeru, then Minasati Yishmechem Beitam. If you'll keep, your, keep the Mitzvahs, etc., then I will give rain in the proper time. I will give Parnosa. Because even the most physical, mundane thing comes to the Jew from the Abishta. In a direct fashion. Not relying on any natural status. And therefore a person should not think. When Yavayalakadish, when I come to the Holy of Holies, it's a now an extra moment to learn Tata. And therefore I'm going to be learning the extra Tata. I will not have as much money. But just the opposite. Because this coming into the Kadesh, into the Holy of Holies, because of that, that's what brings on the bracha, that the person should have a proper panasa. But the Aveda of the Kayan Gadol that he does and runs and does everything that he does, is lifel kapara kol Yisrael, that there should be kapara for the entire Jewish nation, forgiveness. And this, of course, as we said, is done in the Kedish HaKadoshim. Ironically, how did we know the difference between a Kayan and a Kayan Godel and a Kayan Hedjit? The Kayan Godel had eight garments and the Kayan Hedjit had four. So now we would think that when the Kayan Godel goes into the Kayan not he wears eight, but he wears ten or twelve, he has to find some new garments. <coughs> so more gold, more silver, more decoration. He's going into the Holy of Holies. Tells us the Tata, no, the King Godel goes into the Holy of Holies wearing the garments of a simple Kayan. And this is a lesson to each and every one of us. If a person wants to cause the concept of Tahara, of purity, about with himself and his surroundings, so that the purity should reach to a level that it should be lifnei Hashem before God, they should bring it to the Almighty, his tate and his mitzvahs, then he has to go into the inner chambers like a koyin hedjit, like a simple person. Not because it's beneficial to him, not because of all the compliments that he's going to get but only because this is what he's doing to fulfill the Almighty's command and therefore he has to lift he has to peel away and awaken himself from all these other thoughts of the gold and the silver and the pomp and stance to beauty and for honor. And he has to go into Pnim. What is Pnim? What is the innards? His Pnimius. Within himself. The depth of within himself. In his inner soul. 
And there he has to feel the want, the Ratzin of Hashem. And he wants to do this with no other ulterior motives. And thereby, the person can cause a direct effect of Kayin Hedyet. And how, this way he can cause the actual kapara. But not only a kapara for himself, but not only Ba'ad Beisai, his family, but Ba'ad Kol Kahal Yisrael for the entire Jewish nation. <coughs> we know that when we serve God, there are two ways of serving God. Either out of love, or out of fear. The same is with tshuva. With returning to God, it can be done out of love, out of fear. Mind you, I did not say tshuva means repentance, but rather returning, toshuv. The Razal tell us, our sages tell us, for those keeping score at home, Tractate Yuma, 86, side 2. And the Gemara tells us that when one does proper tshuva, Zdainais Natsalei Kizachyais Venekar Advene Metchilosei His Avedis are transformed into merits, and he eradicates, he uproots entirely the sin from what had happened before. And Rashi explains this as well. And it means to say as follows, that the tshuva that the person is doing a week, a month, a year later for a sin that he did then, can cause retroactive effect on the sin. Not just an effect, but it totally eradicates the sin as if it never existed. Like the Meral Maprak. So, okay, there's a question. We have a fact. A fact, a natural fact. There is a concept of Siva and a concept of Misaviv an action and a reaction. In that case, how is it possible that the tshuva should now be the action to eradicate the bad, the wicked, the evil of the sin that happened beforehand and making that, therefore, the reaction? <coughs> Especially if the tshuva was done so much later. The Rebbe explains, therefore, That the truth is that an action cannot affect something that happened before. You cannot make what happened a new happening. But this is only when we're talking about purifying. Taking what happened then and trying to make something of it. 
But if you're trying to elevate this to its level that it becomes totally transformed, this can be done at a later date as well. And that's therefore the case over here. The Mahus is Yisrael, the essence of a Jew, is Taiv and Kedusha, is good and pure. And the Gemara said, excuse me, the Rambam brings down her Gerishin. Gam Bishas Hachet Hachet Haisa Neshama Ba'am Naita Yisbarach. Even during the actual sin, the person has the Shama is with him. And the Al-Tarebbe explains at the end of the Pedic Chavdalit in Tanya. That during the time of the sin, his true Metzias, his true essence, <coughs> which now also is good, goes into hiding. And therefore, tshuva out of love. When the person returns out of love, he can cause an effect on something retroactively. Since he's only cleansing and revealing the good and the spirituality, which in essence existed then too. Even when the person was doing Rechman al-Sandi Aveda, the goodness of the person, the goodness of the soul was there. Only now can the person bring this about to an extent. To an extent that Zdenis Nazlik Hizachis. In the prayer of Yom Kippur, I have so much to say. In the prayer of Yom Kippur, we say the Al Every prayer has the Al Chait. Might have at night in Shvanessa, and then again the repetition. And Shakras and in the repetition. And Musaf in the repetition. Minicha in the repetition. Nila not. The Al of all the different sins that a person did. Another Arabalma this year we will not be saying of Inu Makeno and Yom Kippur except by Nila. Because it is Shabbos. And we say one of the things that we say, I'll hate on the sin that I sinned before you. I'll hate Shechatan Lufanecha Biyetzahara. Obvious question the Shalak Kaddish asks. How else? What other way does a person sin if not the Yetzirah? <coughs> Our sages explain and tell us, for those keeping track at home, it's the tractate Kiddushin, Lamed Omed Beis, 30, side 2. And then as I'll say, Barasi Yetzirah, I created an evil inclination. And Barosti lay Teda Tavlin, I created for him Teda a spice. Why is the Teda compared to a spice? Because the concept of a spice is the mission of the spice is to improve 
and to fix a meal, a, a food. So the action of Teda is the actual spice that we need to spice up the Yitzhara with. We're not looking to destroy, eradicate the Yitzhara, but rather to fix him, and to elevate him, and to purify him. That's not enough that he should be holding, that he's not doing what he has to do, God's work, but just the opposite. That the Yitzhara himself should be doing God's work. Again, the Razal tell us when it says via hafta, bechol levavcha, with your entire heart, but levavcha with two vases. Why two vases? The Gemara for those keeping track at home. In Mesechta's Brachos Nun Dalid Amir Aleph fifty four side one, the Mishnah tells us that two levavcha is shnei yitzaracha. <coughs> Both yitzes the yitzahara. And the Yetzatev. We should see to it the Yetzahara also should want to serve God. And this is therefore when we say, That I did not involve the Yetzahara to make him want to do good. While I was sinning, I allowed him to break the rule, to go against the situation. I should have been breaking his mold. I should have been encouraging him to become also one that serves the Abishtah. And since I did not do that, I did not cause the Yitzhahara to make a 180 degree turnaround, therefore, al khayt shakhatanu lefanecha bi Yitzhahara. The service of Yemaki Purim. Our Tshuva, our Maisim Tevim. There's a story of Rav Chaim Velozhin, not a very great affiliation with Lubavitch, Chabad. Rav Chaim Velozhin was a very learned person though. And two litigants came before him, neighbors, next door neighbors. And each one was complaining that the other one did construction ended up on his land, on his property. We know those cases. <laughs> Um, finally Rav says I can't decipher what you're talking about let's go see the place they come to the area and this guy is showing his point and this guy is showing his angle Rav took off his hat he took a handkerchief out of his pocket and put it on the floor got down on his knees on top of the handkerchief and put his ear to the ground. Put his ear to the ground. They were looking at this and they said, Oh my gosh, this man must be so holy. He's definitely going to ask the ground, Who does it belong to? Finally he stood up, he brushed himself off, put his hat back on and they said, no, What did the land say? He said, I'll tell you the truth what the land told me. The land said, I don't know what they're arguing about. If this belongs to him, and this belongs to him. I don't belong to him or to him. I just know in 40, 50 years from now, they're going to belong to me. <laughs> he gave them a real reality check, and the two of them shook hands and said, okay, okay, let's leave this alone. When the Rebbe, the Fidik Rebbe, Rebbe Yatz, was due to be married, 
His grandmother, Rebbe Tzirivke, the Rebbe of the Rebbe Rasha, of the Marash, who didn't live a very, very wealthy life, and there were times where there was literally no money in Beis Rav. Another custom to remind everybody to light a candle, a yardside candle for Yom Kippur. There's Yisker on Yom Kippur Day, for those that say Yisker, to light for whatever parent is saying. And for those that don't say Yisker, we was accustomed to write a, light a Lebedika Licht, one candle should be lit in the house, just a life, a life candle. Rebbe Tzernifke wanted very much that the Rebbe Rayats should marry into a wealthy family so there should not be any problems like she went through. The Rayats' parents, the Rashab and his wife, were of a different opinion and they actually wanted that he should marry something more suitable in the Terah family. So the deal was to ask the Rebbe, to ask the Rebbe himself, to chosen himself, what do you want to do? And he chose the latter, what his parents wanted over his grandmother. A fitting shidduch was found, and the Rebbe was married. Erev Kippur, The Rebbe came to his grandmother. Fidika Rebbe came to his grandmother. The Rebbe Rashab. excuse me. The Rebbe Rashab went to his mother to ask Mechila to ask forgiveness for his misbehavior for not listening to his mother. And she said to him, Mankin, I want to tell you a story. Once upon a time, there was a chassid that was setting out to his rebbe for Yom Tif. However, <laughs> I once told a, a group of chassanim that one of the wonders, one of the beauties of marriage is we learn how to value time. We learn the value of every minute we learn that when the wife says, I'll be ready in five minutes, or when the husband says, I'm going to Mincha for five minutes, five minutes become a total different dimension. <laughs> yes, they're basically the same five minutes, but uh, they're not five sets of 60 seconds for sure. Um, so he did not want to go out late, Zerv and Kippur, so the Chosid said, I'm going to set out. When you guys are ready, you come and we'll meet on the road. And he gave them directions which way he was going, inshallah. Well, Yemi was riding for two hours. He was getting a little tired and weary for the journey. He had plenty of time to get to, to the destination. He said, I'll rest for a few minutes. My family will come by, they'll wake me up, and I will go together. <coughs> His family did not remember the directions he gave. They took a different route. <coughs> and he went to a slumber, he slept like a little baby. The time he woke up, it was very, very late. 
And it was too late to go to the city, it was too late to go to anywhere. And he turned to the Rebbeinu Shalom and said, Rebbeinu Shalom, my children forgot me here. But I forgive them with a full heart. You too, Rebbeinu Shalom, should forgive your children with a full heart for the new year. And so said the Rebbeinu with such a full heart, I forgive you. Reb Mendel Futafas was serving hard labor for many, many years. In one such era, it doesn't, he doesn't describe how it ended up there. He ended up in the house of a guy in Siberia, in a bitter cold Siberia in a snowstorm. And the guy was very nervous and agitated. He said his son and daughter-in-law went out to work and they left his granddaughter in his charge and the granddaughter went out for a minute and didn't come back for a long time and he was getting very nervous <coughs> they were sitting there all of a sudden they heard barking of a dog scratching on the door and the man goes opens the door and the dog looks at him and runs away he closes the door, it's freezing outside. A few minutes later, the dog is back again, barking and scratching at the door. Again he opens the door, says, what's wrong with you? The dog looks at him and runs away. A third time this happens, he's going to chase the dog away. When it occurred to him, maybe the dog's trying to tell us something. Just come with me. So the two of them, the Mendel and the Goy, went running after the dog. And lo and behold, they found in a pile of snow the granddaughter. But the dog didn't want to leave the granddaughter alone in the snow. So he kept running back to the child to keep the child warm. And ultimately saved the child's life. To which Mendel explained that even the dog understood that coldness <coughs> can kill a person and therefore try to keep the, di- the child warm. You know, there's an interesting custom in every shul. On Arab and Kippur, they put down tons of pushkas, snucker boxes, all over the place. It becomes a balagan. You walk into shul and you put in every pushki, you put tzedakah. One year, Mezhubuzha decided enough. It, it, it's too much. It causes havoc. They wanted to stop it. The Balshama College got word that they wanted to stop this. And he said, No way. He said, You should know that all the Klippas stand up and try to stop the prayers of Yom Kippur from coming up to heaven. They try to form a wall. The clapping and clamoring of these tzedakah boxes, and the falling of change into these tzedakah boxes, and Yom Kippur break through all these clippers, and that's what lets the thrillers go through. I'd like to conclude...
with two more stories. The very famous story of the Vaditshva, where he said one Arab Kippur by night, he said that everyone who wants can bring tomorrow a pan, a letter for me to pray for them. But just bear in mind you have to bring two coins for every name on the letter. And um, everybody brought, brought by the time towards the end of the day. So on the Rebbe's desk there were two piles, coins, and letters. But the Rebbe wasn't going to shul. People started already going to shul. The Rebbe was still sitting and waiting. It was very late. And a woman came running in and said, Rebbe, please take my letter. It was her and her only son. But she only had two coins. And the Rebbe said, no, I cannot take this. I only could take two a name. There's two names here, i got to have four coins. And she begged and pleaded and finally said, Rebbe, forget it. Take the two coins, take my name off the paper and at least pray for my son. And the Rebbe immediately grabbed that letter and ran to Shul to say Kal Nidre. And before Kal Nidre, he said, I too am not looking to pray for myself. I too only are praying for the children, praying for the Eden to have a good year. The Baal Shem came in once to Kal Nidre and was very intense. The whole Kal Nidre was very intense and finally, by Maidiv, he became very happy. He took a break between Kal Nidre and Maidiv. By Maidiv, he became very happy. It was literally a joyous Maidiv. After Yom Kippur, Chassidim asked the Baal what was that? And the Baal told him a story. There was a Jewish innkeeper who was very beloved by everyone, including the squire that owned his land. Unfortunately, this innkeeper, at a young tender age, and his wife, passed away and left a very young orphan. Since the squire was so fond of them and loved them so, the squire undertook to adopt the child. And so the child became his. However, he told the child, so Zvitsen, everything here is yours, Taka, but you're Jewish. Not only you're Jewish, but your parents even left you a few tidbits here. One of which was the cut of Minchasid that his mother used to daven out of every day. Ba'ayim, and the child was standing outside before Rosh Hashanah, and he saw a bunch of people on wagons going, traveling, Yidin. And he said, Zogmir, where are you going? And they said, Vasheitz, Erev Rosh Hashanah, we're going to Shul. You can't sit here and daven, you got to daven a minion. And so the boy was very intrigued. What is Rosh Hashanah? What is this davening business? And ultimately, that night, the boy had a dream. His parents came to him in the dream and said, you must go to shul, you're Jewish. 
And there came a second night and a third night. And each night, he went to the parrots, and the parrots poo-pooed it. He said, eh, eh. And then finally, the child was waiting outside his house in Kippur. And in Kippur again he saw this entourage going. And again he asked the entourage, Rufartman. And again they said, now it's again the high holidays. And as the high holidays are going for Yom Kippur, we also are going to Shul. We're going to Daven with a bigger minion. And again the child could no longer take it. I know. And the child went and grabbed his mother's siddha and he ran to shul to Davin with this siddha. But he didn't know what to do. He didn't know what to read. But he saw everybody davening with such a slavas, with such love and such fervor. He said, Take my siddha, I don't know how to read it. Take the whole siddha, take the whole prayer book that my mother used to daven out of and take my tefillahs. And that tefillah, says the Baal was the tefillah that broke all the decrees. That is the tefillah that ultimately blessed the Jewish nation with a good and a happy year. And so too this year, we should not have to come on to any orphans, to any miracle stories, but each and every one of our tefillahs, Yimalei Hashem, Kol Mishalis, Libeinu Leteva V'Levracha, the Almighty shall fulfill the requests, the beseechments of each and every one of us, of our heart's desires, to an extent that we should see Be'ene Bosar, the true blessing of Hashem, and we should merit the ultimate blessing, the blessing of Mashiach Tzidkenu, Mehera V'yameinu, Shana Tova to all, an easy fast, and Gemar Chasima Tova.